snow has fucked me for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the clap halfway before it's done and just begin it anew. Much like we will probably do this episode. That's not true. We're going to nail this on the first try. I got a good so? feeling about this one. Yeah, I did my podcast homework, unlike some people. Kate, this is going to be your first ever episode where a book is read inside of it. I'm a little nervous. Why are you nervous? Well, what if my like good mojo when it comes to discussing this series is only due to the television show? And once we go to the book, I'm like... There are characters, and um, <laughs> they talk about things, you know? <laughs> they try to kill each other. <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. You can keep it pretty top level if you want. You don't like, I'm really quiet for half the episode, detail. and then halfway through, I'm like, people die in this book. Yeah. Welcome, one and all. We're very, very excited to finally be starting a storm of sorts, and I couldn't be more happy than to do it with you, friends. Friends. Storm mm-hmm. of Swords is my favorite book of the whole series. It is mine as well. Very wow. good book. Yeah. You know, third book in the series, for yeah. me, that seems to be the... Uh, sweet spot. The sweet yeah. spot. Yeah. Same thing with another spot. series that I podcasted about for quite some time. No, Twilight? which series was that? Was it, uh, <laughs> My Little Pony? Yeah, like, I love it. I, w- I would have made the joke a little better, but I can't... I don't remember if it's New Moon or Breaking Dawn. That's the third Twilight book. <laughs> <laughs> also, are they called the Twilight books, or are they called something else? Isn't it Eclipse? Oh, I think it's just that? Twilight... I think it's just the Twilight series. Questions mm. for another show. Yes, so far, Zach and Eric have both gotten it wrong, even though Eric <laughs> podcasted with me on that show. I, yes, I, everyone knows I, it was Harry Potter, every, but they ruined they ruined that? that movie. What they ruined the movie? Well, the, the adaptation I didn't oh, feel let's was not as go strong. down that road. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'd like to. Are you talking here's, about Twilight? Where it ties still? in. You're like, what? no. He's talking about the, uh, the wolves Quran produced <laughs> Prisoner the of Azkaban. adaptation of the third Harry Potter book versus okay. what I want to do. Here's my goal. Okay, going into Storm uh-huh. of Swords is uh-huh. I want to be able to leave Storm of Swords in 80 chapters or whatever, uh, 80 weeks, <laughs> who knows how long it's going to take uh, to do. But it's more than a year. I want to leave yeah. this saying, man, that ad- ad- that adaptation was really strong. That's how I want to leave. All right. Well, Kate, how, how do you want to leave? I want to leave Storm of Swords with you guys saying, wow, they left so much awesome <laughs> shit out of the show. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, we can't do that. We, we can't get, get into that this early, but- you know, I, I kind of feel, you know, Kate, you were worried a, a little bit about what if I only am good about analyzing the, the TV show? Mm-hmm. I actually really look forward to when we when we jump into the books, because with other podcasts that um, I've done, it's always been the most fun to kind of jump into things chapter by chapter and really analyze what has gone on in the books versus, you know, because we only get 10 hours of, well, 10 hours is being generous, I think. Right, um, it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of Game of Thrones each year, whereas you can literally sit here and spend an entire episode on one chapter. And you know, mm-hmm. obviously, we've already done a Game of Thrones and a Clash of Kings. Now we have a Storm of Swords, which I think has the most events that yeah. impact the course of the entire series in one book. And we've seen a lot of them, season three and season four, but there's other things that didn't make the cut. And I think getting to spend time on that and talk through how storylines are completely different in some cases and mm. it's just it's going to be a lot of fun. Good. We see that with uh, you know conversations that happen in the books just going through some of the things that have happened in previous books. Uh when we were going through Clash of Kings for instance, Jon Snow discovered that he has the ability to warg. 
Now, this is something that hasn't even happened in the show yet. And the show is supposed to be at the end of this book. We found it out in book two. So there are those little plot elements that make the books just that much richer. Um, but you're able to, you know, get this character development. So I see what you guys are saying, where it just hasn't happened in the show. Even if they are adapting these books, there are little bits that get cut out. Yeah. Well, and they're not, there's some not so little bits. If they, I, I thought John had had a wolf dream in the show, but maybe I, I'm just imagining it. Um, but if they completely cut out those kinds of things, then I, I honestly think that the show will get to its eventual conclusion, but it won't get to the same conclusion that you would draw from the books, which is, again, something that I've become very fond of as an idea, because it means that both, whichever path you're taking, you're going to be surprised. You're going to mm -hmm. have, you're never going to have this moment. And I've mentioned this on the show before, but season one of Game of Thrones, I was completely stoked for because I've been waiting for someone to adapt it to the screen for so long and they finally did it. And I was, I watched every episode just like on the edge of my seat. And I came away from that first season with this sort of like, I've seen that before feeling uh, because I'd mm. read the books so many times and it was so faithful. I was like, man, if we have, you know, seven to 10 more seasons of this, then I already kind of know what's going to happen and it's boring. So the fact that it deviates makes it really exciting. Yeah. Um, so I, I I do like that. I like that there's going to be differences and I don't want to dwell on them too much when we're reading this and be like, well, in this version of this, because it's going to be so different. It's going to happen no matter what. I'd like to be surprised though too. And, and this is the yeah. thing, going through the books, like at this point, here's why I don't feel that it's as big a deal. And we did get a, a comment um, from Timothy Mulligan on Twitter who said, are you guys ready? For the storm of spoilers headed your way, mm -hmm. there are going to be several major ones for the show in A Storm of Swords, the book. And I'm thinking, all I hear about now is the show taking plot lines from future books. I didn't hear that it's like skipping over, you know, stuff that's actually in the book still. So I'm just looking forward to just the full, unadulterated, unabridged, you know, everything that was supposed to happen, happening. Right. And because we're going through them chapter by chapter, and at this point, if they're not in the show, they're probably not going to be, at least that I see. I mean, that's just kind of my rationale for the whole thing is this is the stuff that was left out in addition to the stuff that was left in and additional conversations that were just, you know, kind of mashed all together. So we're getting the well, full effect, the yeah, full source material. I would just say, let's also remember that they felt it important enough to break this book into two different seasons. Yes. So right. right. There's plenty of it. At least two, yeah. Yeah, that, that has made its way into... um you know, on, onto the TV screen. It, it, and even in some cases, like you said, they, they did need to pull from future books. There's, there's really no way to avoid that because as you see, there are only certain perspectives that we're seeing things from and mm -hmm. you just can't cut a storyline off without it being done the right way. So, right. you know, and, and it's interesting that, that this is all coming up because, and I don't know how many of you guys have the book itself versus reading it online. Uh, but there is a note about chronology at the very beginning of the book from George oh. R. R. Martin. And I think I could be wrong, but I think it's the first book that, that it actually appears in. Mm -hmm. It says a song of ice and fire is told through the eyes of characters who are sometimes hundreds or even thousands of miles apart from one another. Some chapters cover a day, some only an hour. Others might span a fortnight, a month, half a year. With such a structure, the narrative cannot be strictly sequential. Sometimes important things are happening simultaneously, a thousand leagues apart. In the case of the volume now in hand, the reader should realize that the opening chapters of A Storm of Swords do not follow the closing chapters of A Clash of Kings. 
so much as overlap them. I open with a look at some of the things that were happening on the Fist of the First Men, at River Run, Harren Hall, and on the Trident while the batter... Batter. It's the batter of Blackwater. Yeah. Mm. You, make, you make a cake out of it. I love uh, cake. <laughs> uh, was being fought at King's Landing and during its aftermath. So we, we're already now, as we jump into the third book here, have overlap going on. It's no longer right. just sequential, as he points out. And I, I just linked you guys this thing in, in Skype, and we should put it in the show notes because I think it's really valuable. Um, it's a little bit spoilery in in the sense that you you may get an idea of what's what's to come, but don't zoom in. It gives a yeah, just just look at the that the the zoomed out version of it. It gives you an idea of how faithful the book is through season one and to some extent st- season two of the show, and then it goes absolutely crazy with with season three and season four, pulling from all kinds of books. Like there's there's very little. Um, adaptation that's that's faithful as far as the construction of the books themselves. Yeah. So they are not only pulling from uh, future books, but they're also pulling threads from past books in order to to kind of make this work simply because of that note that Micah just read, which is that these things are not happening sequentially and you can't really get away with that on television. This is the hmm. third time we've done this. This is now the third book in A Song of Ice and Fire that we're going to be going through each chapter each little thing. I was just thinking to myself this morning, it's Sunday and there's no new Game of Thrones on tonight. And I know that that's been happening for the past few weeks, but at the same time, it's really comforting to know that at least with us in the show and everyone listening, there is going to be a regular chunk of, of new things to talk about as far as uh, our podcast is concerned. You know, new material that you may or may not have read. And uh, it's just exciting. Even just this prologue that we're about to crack into. It's just a really good feeling going into new Game of Thrones stuff. And it's a totally different feeling from watching the show. Something that we've missed since I think it was the 2nd of February that we finished A Clash of Kings. Gosh. I hope that everybody reads with us. I hope that you guys crack open that that Storm of Swords mass market paperback and Mm -hmm. reread with us. (laughs) You know, can you guys hear this if I... Yeah, that's real. That's the... You should you should smell it seriously. What's the smell? Um, like? Smell my book, guys. No, it's an it's a, it's a fresh it's a fresh book. You know, Mike. I, really, I was so I really wish Eric would stop asking us to smell his stuff. Uh, stuff. I yeah. was Every I was time. um I know. you know I was so excited to skip right to the prologue, but I did skip that little note on chronology. I'm glad that Mike was able to read that for us. Mm-hmm. You know what? There also is a dedic. There's also a dedication that I think we should read here real quick. This is this is just amusing. Dedications are always important. For everybody's favorite, uh, well, for you guys' favorite book of the Ice and Fire series, the third book, Storm of Swords, dedication is for Phyllis, who made me put the dragons in. Thanks, Phyllis. Thank you, Phyllis. <laughs> I'm glad that you made me put the dragons note. in. Yeah. Glad that there are dragons in this story. Mm. You guys remember the prologue for... Was a clash of kings was with Meister Cresson and Davos, right? Yeah, on uh, Dragonstone, and that mm-hmm. was a very strong chapter. And I think that uh, in true fashion, the prologue is here is just as exciting. Dude, I remember the first time I ever read this, I got like goosebumps on places that I, I didn't even know, like the bottoms of my feet. Uh-huh. I was so <laughs> I was so pumped at the end of this. I was like, oh shit, this book is going to get serious immediately. Oh, so good. So here we are, folks. The first words of A Storm of Swords. Yeah. yeah. The day was gray and bitter cold, and the dogs would not take the scent. 
The big black bitch had gotten one sniff at the bear tracks, backed off, and skulked back to the pack with her tail between her legs. The dogs huddled together miserably on the riverbank as the wind snapped at them. Chet felt it too, biting through his layers of black wool and boiled leather. It was too bloody cold for man or beast, but here they were. His mouth twisted, and he could almost feel the boils that covered his cheeks and neck, growing red and angry. I should be safe back at the wall, tending the bloody ravens and making fires for old Maester Eamon. It was the bastard Jon Snow who had taken that from him. Him and his fat friend Sam Tarly. It was their fault he was here, freezing his bloody balls off with a pack of hounds deep in the haunted forest. Haunted mm-hmm. forest. So good. Just like it immediately establishes the tone of this. You're you're mm-hmm. with some weirdo who is really angry at everyone. He's covered in boils. <laughs> Which is disgusting. Um, and he hates John. He hates Sam. He hates Meister Ma- uh, Eamon. Uh, and he's he's very cold. Like, there's just the instantaneous, like, you are submerged into this atmosphere. It's so good. He hates being north of the wall. You know what? This is the second book that opens north of the wall. Because the first book's prologue has those men who yeah. encounter True. the Waymer whites. Yeah. That's crazy. So now we're with Chet who was, we could say, honorably discharged and usurped from his role as working with Maester Eamon due to Sam's (laughs) wizardry and his reading skills. (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't gotten over it yet from Clash to Swords. I have a feeling Chet was like phoning that job in. The way he talks about it, he was like, oh, it was so easy. All I had to do was light a few fires. Like, he probably had it coming. Still. Chet uh, sucks. I hate Chet. You, you really the, the the prologue does a really great job of making you hate Chet, and I think that Chet was probably to some degree inspiration for Carl Tanner. Yeah, um, because Carl's not actually a character in the book, but Chet is this. He's he's a disgusting criminal, and he hates the Lord Commander. He wants to live in Craster's Keep and bang all of Craster's wives and be be his like his own king north of the wall. So is- I think that like Carl took a lot from Chet um, right. and maybe a couple of the other characters that are mentioned later in this chapter. Mm-hmm. I think he was sort of yeah, a, Carl's like an amalgamation of all, of all yeah. their like weird shit of just everybody's bad traits. He's just the mm-hmm. one. And we got a mention of a guy named Carl the Clefffoot, I believe, in this chapter. <laughs> so yeah. at least the, the name is, is, you know, living on and pushing forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chet is just such a douchebag name to begin with. I feel Chet like. Is such oh, a dude, douche. the Hardy Boys. Yeah, come agrees. on. Oh, no. I'm thinking oh, back to, uh, to Weird Science with uh, Bill Pullman's character. Oh, God. Chet, the older brother. Yeah. No, he was. Yeah. And, and I apologize in advance if there's anybody named Chet. That's if there's anybody named the Chet who's listening to our, ch- our show, you're like the only cool Chet. Yeah, you're the yes. one. Chet, you have the old jalopy that you work on all the time. That's oh, awesome. So, so cool. That's so that was cool. a great recovery, Kate. Thank you. <laughs> if your name is Chet and you wear like your hat backward and it's like slightly too tall in your head and you like play ultimate Surfer frisbee all the dude. time. <laughs> this Chet is son of a leechman who, yeah. who oh. sells, I guess gets and sells leeches. So he's using his son, I guess there's this point where he's talking about going and collecting the leeches yeah. and he collects them like on his body. What kind yes. of jobs are here in Westeros? Like that's worse than being up north. These are and, like, valuable col- commodities, Eric. Collecting yeah. ice. He sells They're them to the, the maesters. Penny. Yeah, that's what I, for a penny. I was thinking Come the on. exact same thing when I was reading this part of the chapter, and I, I thought that 
these people are on poor times. They're down and out. They're not highborn. Like at least his it, father was resourceful enough to come up with a profession where he would go, you know, nipples deep into a large <laughs> pond and get yeah. covered from chest to toe in leeches. Like that is resourceful. Like he's that is creating a business for himself. That's true. Still pretty horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like and it does give you a good idea of the the caliber of person who's at the wall. The fact that most of them were probably driven to a life of crime simply out of desperation because right. mm. they are like all of their their father's going to beat them bloody because they accidentally smashed a leech that's worth one twelfth of one penny. Like that's pretty. <laughs> that's a pretty rough childhood. Yeah, that's um, rough. And the fact that he's driven to murderous rage by romantic uh, uh, rejection um, mm. is is probably again a a very a product of a lot of frustration and mistreatment and abuse and and everything else but that's why he's at the wall is because yeah. he decided he was going to murder a girl who wouldn't put out for him yeah which is which is pretty rough pretty rough and stuff. Uh, good old walder frey didn't even show his face didn't even for the show trial up. but i i like that what you were saying because i think that this chapter really paints the picture of a character who you know, is pretty commonplace in the Night's Watch, but yet yeah. we don't really see that as much because we're mostly seeing the Night's Watch through John's perspective or through Sam's perspective. Right. And here you are getting to see through the perspective of somebody who's actually a criminal mm -hmm. and who this is how he lived his life. This is how he was brought up. These are the types of people that John and Sam are amongst. And mm -hmm. yet you don't really get a feeling for that all the time because you look around and you see all these guys and you think, oh, you know what? They're like Gren and Pip or, you know, they're not as devious as some of the others that we've encountered. Like we forget, you know, Rorge and Biter were mm -hmm. on their way to the wall. Exactly. Like these, these are serious criminals. And you see this throughout this chapter with Chet really not only wanting to kill the Lord Commander, but he wants to slice open Sam's throat and roast him on a spitfire. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to remember, like, these these men are... These men are actually murderers, and that's why they're there. It was and this. Worse. I had this. I had this interesting conversation the other day about um, the way video because I I work in video games, and so I was talking about the way to discipline bad players. And there's apparently there's some video games where if you are a cheater, if you're someone who uses hacks or whatever, and you make the game experience really unpleasant, instead of banning you from the game, they just put you with the rest of the cheaters. Like everybody who uses hacks is playing against each other, um, which is great because you don't lose out on potential income revenue, but then you also make it so these people are playing against other really frustrating players. Right. And that's exactly what they did at the Night's Watch. They were like, well, if you're going to be a criminal, a murderer, a thief, we're just going to throw you into a castle with a bunch of other murderers and thieves and you can figure it out. Like, yeah. hopefully you'll defend us against whatever's coming north of the wall, but at worst, you'll just murder each other and then we're down murderers. Like, we, we are, we've lost out on murderers. Um, and I think that's a really interesting strategy. Like, we don't quite do that with our normal penal system. We still segregate people into, like, their own little areas. We have prison cells and things like that. We, we don't just throw them in a big pit. Um, but that's kind of what they did with the Night's Watch. It's pretty hardcore when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, they used sort of military discipline to hopefully make them useful in their new lives. Right. right. Giving them a purpose and tasks and you know, right. duty and honor to fulfill. But in Chet's, yeah, in Chet's case, there's no there's no changing who he is. You know, he's like he you you learn that he was a murderer at a very young age. 
and he's plotting, just casually plotting the murder of not only the Lord Commander and several of the higher-ups and Sam and whoever else, but also anybody who just mildly inconveniences him during this chapter. He's like, ugh, I could probably live without him. Like, it's just it's just this very, very casual second nature thing to him. It's like, ugh, yeah, I could I, let's let's get rid of him too. This is a small summarization of his plan. Now, this is again what he's been putting together during his snowy sleeps in the tented wilderness outside of the fist <laughs> of the first men. It says, and this is he's 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 talking about Sam here. After he opened his throat, he'd open the cages and shoo the birds away, so no messages reached the wall. Softfoot and Smallpaw would kill the old bear, Dirk would do Blaine, and Lark and his cousins would silence Bannon and old Dwyan to keep them from sniffing after their trail. So obviously he's thought of this. Then he says, they'd been cashing food for a fortnight, and Sweet Donald and Clubfoot Carl would have the horses ready. With Mormont dead, command would pass to Sir Otten Withers, an old dun man, and failing. He'll be running for the wall before sundown, and he won't waste no men sending them after us neither. So mm-hmm. after all of this happens, his kills, essentially, that he's got sort of strategically planned out that once this person's dead, this person's dead, this person's dead, it's the least amount it would take for us to technically leave the fist safely and also not to be caught. And I guess ride toward Crastridge, right? Like that's where his really sick daydream has been just. Right. He doesn't want to be where he is and the men that he's recruited. I think he says there's like 14 of them total. Um, it's all they could safely get. You know, they just don't want to be up there on the fist and the Lord commander is sort of commanding them to wait there. And, and he's, he's hoping to hear back from like Quorn Halfhand, mm-hmm. which is so cool. If you think about the weird detective work that is happening, like you have all of these men ready poised to do some sort of action at a moment's notice. But mm-hmm. right now we've got sort of the sluggers out. We've got John and the half hand checking out this curling pass. You know, mm-hmm. this is a very, very active night's watch, even though they have very little people. Well, 300, right? That's the number that uh, is yeah. mentioned mm-hmm. in this chapter. Half of their fighting strength total, I think, is what they a said. A third. I think it a says third? nearly a third. Okay. Yeah, that means a thousand men total, which I know how the show, I mean, coming off of season four, they said they had, wasn't it a hundred men at Castle Black? Mm-hmm. Um, like total. So, I mean, we know they run into at least one battle between now and then in the books, um, based on the show. But, uh, yeah, they said a hundred men came from the Shadow Tower and 200 were from Castle Black. Yeah. But that's, that's a lot of men, but it's still nothing compared to the Wildling Army, which we know. And it's kind of cool getting in. I mean, thinking of the things that are mentioned in this chapter, like the Wildling Army, I think they count like 30,000, uh, wildlings, their scouts do. Um, you know, we know it, it, it only grows, you know, in time between now and the eventual battle on the, on the wall. But Walder Frey gets mentioned, as you said, he's, um, Chet comes from or hails from, is it Hag's Mire somewhere? It's, it's sort of under the rule mm-hmm. of, of Walder Frey. We know the Red Wedding has yet to happen and that's huge. So that's a huge, like, Walder Frey, like, he's mentioned in the prologue of this book. And so just in the way that all books should kind of introduce some of these concepts that'll be seen later in the book. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nice to see these things kind of get, we don't even know they're being like vamped up, but just the fact that they're mentioned kind of keeps them alive. That's true. And reminds people that they exist. And the plot to kill Jorah, which, or sorry, Gior, uh, the plot to kill Old Bear, which we know ends up happening. The fact that these boys are actually devising a plan that is supposed to happen on this evening that will kill, you know, Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. That's huge. Like, so all of these things that we, we know will happen 
you know, don't occur yet, but the gears are in motion for it. Yeah, yeah. Chet's taken all of this personally. Mm-hmm. And when he yes. finally sees Sam in this chapter, I feel like we kind of go from the weird psychotic ramblings inside of a crazy person's mind to the normal back and forth between sort of casual not friends. And it, it just it completely in a moment, the tone of the prologue just shifted. Well, they're they're banded together for whether they like it or not in that moment when they hear the the three blasts go off, right? So they go from being enemies, at least from Chet's standpoint, and Sam obviously knows that Chet doesn't like him, but he he doesn't know the extent to which Chet is willing to go at this point. But in that very moment where Chet pisses his pants, it, it becomes clear that they're in this together. And whether they don't like each other or not, at this moment, they have to you know, band together to fight whatever it is that's coming at them. I think that that, and I hate to beat a dead horse because I made this point um, in a previous episode, but this is related to what you were saying, Micah. I think that this is another way of showing that all of these petty grievances that these men have against each other and the fact that they are, they're being cowards about fighting other men, it all pales in comparison to the thing that's the actual threat, the thing that everybody's oh, yeah. afraid of that they just keep forgetting about because they're like, well, I'm going to kill I'm going to kill this man and then I'm going to kill yeah. these men because they want to kill these men and those guys are going to kill us. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, right, the shit that we're actually afraid of is coming after us. And that's it's this 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 reminder that none of these mundane earthly things matter at all in the face of the others. Yep. Yeah, and it's so important that that's how this book opens up. Yes, is that you're you're immediately hit with that the point that you just raised, and and I think that the Night's Watch, when you're looking through Chet's eyes, and you're seeing how he really feels about somebody like Sam, in some ways you could almost be sympathetic, and this goes to the point where you know there there's something about each of these characters that you can identify with. It's not just clear cut it's not just black and white in the sense that oh this is a good character or this is a bad character you know when chet's walking up and he sees sam you know shooting a bow and arrow and just Failing. not really having too much <laughs> no i see the way that i saw it though is he doesn't have too much responsibility at this point like sam's been given the opportunity to take care of of the ravens right and right. you know chet's out there freezing his ass off, going through the snow, trying Hunting to track bear. down a bear yeah. mm-hmm. with these dogs who are being you know, unresponsive, not wanting to be out there. And he walks back and he sees this, irregardless of, of what Sam looks like, because I think that's often used as a cop-out that he's yeah. like this fat kid. Right. But Sir this Piggy. kid who's just, yeah, he's just struggling to do anything, but he's like, he's there with his buddies and Dollar said and everybody else and you know and and Chet feels like he's the odd man out a little bit and I think in that moment you can understand why Chet has become a little bit put off by Sam the fact that you know here comes this kid in who's a highborn who's taken over his position uh and and let's face it we mentioned it earlier Chet had it pretty good you know yeah. he was mm-hmm. he wasn't in a bad spot and he blames Jon Snow he blames other people but you know, again, he's gotten fed up. And I think also the fact that we've seen this dissension in the ranks so early on in this book, the yeah. very mm-hmm. first few pages, that you have over half a dozen or over a dozen people who are willing to turn on the Lord Commander and go the other way and, right. and, and run fast and furious away from all this. It it shows that, you know, they have some problems um, sure. and we're going <laughs> to see them. Yeah. I mean, they, they all swore vows. They They've all been members of the Night's Watch. 
Uh, they've sworn their vows to protect the wall, uh, to protect the realms of men. And when faced with the actual reality of that, which is not tending ravens or stoking fires, then they are at their base still these cowardly criminals. Mm-hmm. And th- there's nothing that, uh, like these vows don't matter. They're they're ready to turn around. They're ready to leave. They want to live their lives the way they think that they should. And it's it's all cowardice. And yet they kind of have to stay up north. I know Chet mentions that, you know, if they're ever caught south of the wall, anyone could take them and kill them. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's a real thing that we sort of brought into our discussion when John in the show was, you know, thinking of leaving and, and coming south of the wall too. I was like, well, even if, you know, just a random passerby sees a crow, they're probably, you know, uh, entitled to kill them because it's, it's not safe south of the wall or it's just, you know, it's the worst thing you can be as a deserter. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you have to know that they're a crow. I mean, they could change yeah. their clothes. Well, that's, that's something that would be an interesting, yeah. uh, yeah. It was Have so it. much easier to break laws back then, right? <laughs> yeah, just change your clothes, you're good. No yeah. internet. No, no, no lots of things, you know? Yeah. No lots Cameras. of cameras. Do you guys think it's interesting that Sam, uh, with his, his sort of arrow, his shooting, uh, he, he hits the mark, kind of unexpectedly surprises even himself when he's not aiming, when he's not trying, versus when he was sort of very carefully pulling the bow back, yes. looking through the... Yeah you know, target and everything. He was missing. He shot it into the trees, but you kind of just have to feel it. Isn't it like yeah. Luke Skywalker? He's a head the, case though. That's why shield down. he thinks through too yeah. much. Like Mike if it's right. impulsive, like with, you know, we'll see this in the upcoming chapters, but with the white Walker, when he kills it, right. That's impulsive. And right. he doesn't have to think so much about it when he thinks too much about things. That's when he messes up. Mm. Yeah. He's definitely yeah. a head case. I think that Sam, there's also, he he has sort of been blessed by a lucky star. I feel like Sam has has always been one of the luckier, even though he is at the wall and his dad was really rude to him for a long time. I think that as far as his lot at the wall goes, he gets he gets lucky a lot. You know, he Definitely. he sort of inadvertently makes himself into a hero, um, and it's not by any anything he's trying to do. It's just his nature. And so I, I think that more than anybody else, he sort of he sort of is is blessed by some unseen force. And we get to see yeah. the the beginning of a lot of that self discovery here mm-hmm. in a storm of swords and and the, the the prologue. We have him, you know, calming down, joking around with Gren and Ed, which was yeah. just so warm, and making it at least to the target. And not even Chet could talk shit on it. <laughs> what he said was obviously true when he said to Sam. Well, they're not going to be standing there rustling their leaves at you when the wildlings are, uh, you know, approaching. Like it's going to be right. a little bit more. I, I'm thinking in that moment, I just saw in my head like a Lord of the Rings style, like cut to like an orc or something, just yelling and like swinging an axe at his face. Like that's <laughs> what he's going to eventually have to be stood up against, is what Chet is saying, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to something that Kate said earlier on in the episode too. Is that now you're you're starting off this book with the White Walkers and shit's about to get real, right? In in the very first chapter, you're left at the very end of it knowing that the White Walkers are advancing on the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is exactly how the second season ended and the third season opened. And, you know, it's it's adapted, obviously, a little bit differently. But now, you know, I just think that we've had a lot of discussion on the show, specifically when we've gone through the books, about how the the magic in the series is starting to take a stronger hold and it's starting to become more real. And I think that this is just another example yeah. of that. I mean, we're, we're starting people our read-through of A Storm of Swords with three blasts. 
hardcore. You've yeah. never heard the three blasts before. You know what they stand for, but you've never heard them. Yeah, I'm, gonna oh, just, I'm just going to find the part in the book to read because literally there's no better way to do it. It starts this way. Chet goes three. He squeaked or no, Sam goes three. He squeaked to Chet. Now, this is during Chet, his nighttime sort of stroll, knowing that after the, the town hall meeting they had, it would probably be a little difficult to pull off the same plot that he was planning earlier, but he's still going to do it anyway in some stretch of the imagination. So right. why not walk over to Sam? Because he wants to see how the the fat is mixed in with the blood when he cuts his throat. Like, how screwed <laughs> up is that? Like, this so dude is seriously unstable. So yep. perfectly in all storybooks fashion, he sneaks up to Sam. Three horns blow. Sam goes, three? He squeaked to Chet. That was three. I heard three. They never blow three. Not for hundreds and thousands of years. Three means... And Chet Bullet just goes, us. yeah. <laughs> he made a sound that was half a laugh, half a, so- half a sob. And suddenly his small clothes were wet. And he could feel the piss running down his leg. See steam rising off the front of his breeches. So literally... The murderer, the bad guy, talking about rape, talking about more murder. He pees himself. He's so scared. First chapter, yeah. everybody. Yeah. First chapter. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I think Zach, that's an excellent point. Is that you've you've spent this whole chapter learning how hardcore Jeff yeah. is, even though he is a coward. You you haven't actually seen him do anything except stab some poor little girl in his memory. Um, but he's planning all this stuff, and he's got his his dudes lined up and everybody's got their orders and they're going to do this. They're going to kill a bunch of people. And then at the mention that the thought of the others, he's peeing his pants. Like, yeah. Just the horn. Wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. like not even seeing them, just like the three horns blowing because not in, what is it? Hundreds and thousands of years. Have they heard those three horns blow? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine yeah. like yep. you've been trained to know, like oh, I hear one that it's Rangers returning up oh, to there's a wild yep. attack. That's pretty hardcore, <laughs> but like, you're <laughs> never going to hear three. You're never. Yeah. That's super scary by itself, but you're never yeah. going to hear a third. Imagine one. if you're you the do. horn blower. I'd yeah. want to blow that shit as fast as possible <laughs> and run oh the other God. way. He was so happy oh to finally God. do it three times. They don't even let you practice that. <laughs> Just in case people get it. Right? And he was just like, oh, yes. Yes, finally. Yeah. Yeah. He pissed his pants at celebration. He was, he was stoked. I just think it's important to say out loud again Chet was about to commit murder, and yeah. this scared him enough to pee himself. Like, he was, he was not only thinking about murder, he was about to commit yep. murder. He wasn't right. outside of Sam's tent, he was in Sam's tent. Like he was yeah. in his little dug- he dugout. He was excited to do it too. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, I'm going to find, I'm just going to do this. This is, this, this is all I get. Then, awesome yeah god man danger Danger. that line though all i can think of is on lost with jinsu kwan saying others 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 others." others." yeah because (laughs) falling on the beach scary yeah well he's tied up i think too oh yeah 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 yeah, i can't find my balance so that that meeting (laughs) i think was really important though because it set in motion what chet was ultimately going to do right I, i think it even in a some way made him realize that if they didn't do it now, they really weren't going to get the chance, right? right. Because right. they're going to have to go out and chase down a bunch of wildlings and hopefully things work out. And based on what uh, the Lord Commander had to say, he didn't really think that there was a high survival rate. So uh, I think Chet realized the moment was now uh, for him to to act. And um, I just really liked, though, what the old bear had to say like the way that he laid out his plan you could tell it took some took some thought it wasn't just like hey we're gonna go and meet the wildlings head on Mm -hmm. 
it was something that was very well thought through with the other uh, council members that he had, and they were ready to go and to uh, lay the smack down on Harma yeah. and her crew. <laughs> Harma. The vanguard. That was interesting, too, is that they mentioned here that the, the wildlings do ride horses sometimes and it's usually like a, oh shit the wildlings are on yeah. horses moment but they do they're <laughs> do they, they are know how to, to really horses. ride them though i'm sure I mean, they do I've, they do can I'm anyone really people. ride a horse but they've got their horses with them they've got their mules and this is something where they're they're seen as vulnerable but they've got all their worldly possessions and their women are with them their children are with them and they see this as like a strategic advantage really that yeah. the, the Night's Watch do, that this is the one time to really blash out and strike. I can't help but feel it's a little bit of media spin, though, as much of an advantage <laughs> the Lord Commander makes it seem to them. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. at the end of the day, they are ridiculously, vastly, well, val- vastly, vastly outnumbered. Oh, yeah. We can re- read Ooh, really yeah. quickly what he says, but I agree. Like Some of his planning is a little bit flawed because you don't know if they're going to change direction. You don't know, yeah. you know if there's another group like forget about harma and and her people right what about uh anybody else you know you, you don't know where mance is you don't know where anybody else is as far as you know how they've kind of strategically placed themselves so you could be setting yourself up uh for a trap for all you know yeah mm-hmm. we ride at dawn with all our strength the old bear said as a murmur went through the assembly we will ride north and loop around to the west harma's van sounds like character from scooby-doo uh we'll be well past the fist by the time we turn the foothills of the frost fangs are full of narrow winding valleys made for ambush their line of march will stretch for many miles we shall follow them in several places at once and make them swear we were three thousand not three hundred damn see that's the aggressive approach yeah but isn't that what happened to john though in the in the frost fangs like he he was ambushed not obviously not by a large <laughs> contingency yeah, right, right. Yep. But if they they know how to use it for ambush, what's to think they wouldn't allow that to happen again? Like right. allow. Right, and that's that's the interesting thing about this this speech by the old bear too is that he's like the 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 foothills of the frost fangs are full of narrow windy valleys made for ambush, and what he doesn't say is, and we don't know anything about them. Right, right. like they're, yeah. they're they're made for ambush, and the wildlings know them very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, our great rangers have vast knowledge of the area, but these are people within us. These aren't we don't live in these areas like these exactly. people do. Exactly. And their their best rangers are gone. This is this is the point where hearing this speech too, I'm thinking, yep, uh Lord Commander is doomed. He just and it's not that he fails to respond to like the needs of his men, but the fact that so many of them just want to go back to the wall where it would be safer and he's demanding that they go towards you know, the wildlings, not only towards them, but to basically, um, you know, mount an offense right. where none of them, and this he's asked this question, but none of them, you know, clearly so many of them will be killed in this advance. And he just keeps pushing. The old bear just like isn't calling it quits. And you can see how somebody would be frustrated enough to come up with some sort of plot against him. His his best plan is just to harass them, you know, is to, to peck at their their perimeters until hopefully enough of them die that they go home is not the best plan in the world. And the men who naturally can do some amount of math and see that it's, you know, for every one of them, there's a hundred wildlings and they start to, they start to protest and they say, we're going to die. And the Lord bears like, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably all of us <laughs> are going to die. die sometime. Yeah. yeah. And it's, just, it's, it's clearly just, mm. it's, it, he's fine with it being a suicide. Uh, as long as they actually just 
pick off enough of these wildlings to make a difference. That's all that's the best he can hope for. It's not a victory. It's never going to be a victory. And he mm-hmm. mentions that it's possible that during one of their like swipes through the line that they could take out Mance. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's a tacticianist. He's he understands that life maybe isn't that important and that everyone dies. So he's very much treating not only himself, but his men as real pieces of the Night's Watch that no matter what in the face of danger, in the face of almost certain defeat, they're going to do all in their power to stop the threat from crossing the wall. And he truly feels that this is a great moment to take advantage of that. But it's just, if he only took the perspective in of everything that's happening. I mean, at the, right. end, of, at the end of this prologue, the White Walkers are coming onto their camp. You know, like the the horns have blown. So the White Walkers are at least in the general vicinity, which I'm not sure how that is going to affect their plan and what they do. They're going to have to run like hell. That's what they're going to have to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, There's nothing you can do against the White Walkers, right? They have they have no, at this point, they don't know zero yet, yeah. defense. Just throw Sam out there and hope for the best. That's what they're going to have to do. And that works out. That ends yeah, up works being out. a strategy that works. For one of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, they're all going to run to Craster's Keep. Yeah, they are. That's true. Yes. Clean mm-hmm. rugs. It's safe. He sacrifices babies, so yeah, he's yeah. safe. So he's cool. But I think this was an epic opening Absolutely. to our first uh, first read through of yeah. Storm of Swords, the first chapter officially, and then we're going to be jumping into a lot of different perspectives. Some of them are going to be new. I'm really excited to read this book. And this is like the book I want to read the most with you guys. Yeah. Everything else is garbage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited to read more because I want I to read all of these books. I'm, mm-hmm. I see it in my iBooks app while I'm reading other books throughout the weeks. And I'm just like, I could just press that and read it the whole thing. <laughs> but finally I get to. So thank you for doing this with us, everyone. This will be yeah. more fun for us than it will be for you. I promise. <laughs> But uh, our well, own, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Is that it? Good transition? Good, great. Now it's his own. So who's going first? The first I'm, own of I'm going Storm first. Swords. Ooh. Let's, let's give it's it to the me. newcomer. Let's give it to Kate. Yay! My own goes to the others for making Chet piss his pants. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's good. Great. Uh, one of the best parts about great, reading Kate. the books is the... <laughs> And it rhymed. Vast selection of owns we can choose from. Yes. Yeah. yeah the dog agrees. Frodo mm. also thinks so. <laughs> Shut up. Get your best bread after we record. <laughs> My own's a very small own. I'm uh, going to give it to Dirk, who is named for his favorite weapon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks like you get to pick your own name on the uh, Night's Watch there. Like he that. was one of the ones that made me think that he, like Carl Tanner, had just been sort of a blob of all these characters. Is like Dirk's favorite weapon is a Dirk, and I was like, well. I think Carl was also pretty good with a with a knife, right? Like he, yeah. he bragged about that quite a bit. He was yeah. a fucking legend in Genali. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. What do we got here? I have to give my own to the snow. I think oh, that, that's good. Because and a even sno- even snown. Chet, a snown, yeah. <laughs> Chet points it out himself. He's like, Snow has fucked me for the second time. <laughs> Those weren't the exact words, but I'm just paraphrasing here. Uh-huh. And, you know, he brings up the fact that Jon Snow had a big hand in him losing his position to Sam. And yeah. now here he is. He put this whole elaborate plan together to kill the Lord Commander, to yeah. escape, to I kill Sam. And it's fucking snowing. And I think that wasn't unintentional on the part of George R. R. Martin. So my own goes to the snow. Yeah, that was beautifully nice. integrated. I mean, you can't like really run away if you got the snow falling because look at all those fresh footprints. It's just, oh right. man, it's a right. bad situation. All right, time for my own. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 
I'm going to give you my own. I can't decide between two. So could I could I uh, read two, you guys think? Exactly. All right. Well, this will be an honorable mention. Uh, Lark the System and Laughed. Small Paul, Thick as a Castle Wall. <laughs> you shut up with that small Paul said dangerously. Yes, okay. Yes. That's that's pretty funny. Okay, but here here's actually time for my actual own. And I've been waiting for so long to give an own to this man, and I finally can. Brother, he said solemnly, just because it happened that way for you doesn't mean Samwell will suffer the same. <laughs> Chet says. What are you talking about, Toilette? Ed says. The axe that split your skull. Is it true that half your wits leaked out onto the ground and your dogs ate them? <laughs> and that is the, uh, that's my own. Dollars Ed. Dollars back. Dollars Ed. It's good to have you back. It's good to have everyone that's yeah. listening back. Those were our owns. Were you disappointed? Good. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't disappointed. Our next chapter is Jamie 1. You guys excited? Yeah. Jamie 1. That's a new perspective, right? That Another. is a new perspective. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. New POV. Pretty oh my exciting. god, that's exciting! Yeah, yeah, we haven't heard from Jamie before. I hope like mm-hmm. half of it is him working out and just get, getting fit <laughs> for all that he has to do. Getting fit. <laughs> Let's track all the mentions of his left hand. Ooh, or not? Those are our own. Now let's get to some of yours. I like da, how you set da, that da, one da, up, Kay. Yeah, we also get to read your owns in the on season. All right, they don't just go away. And many of you did send them in for the prologue this week. Thank you. It's true. Well, Eric, why don't you share with us some of the things the fine, fine listeners have been writing on our respective walls recently. Here we go with owns for the prologue. This is all on Twitter from here. Ram Dent says, I have to cop out and say George R.R. Martin owned for making me feel bad for such an unsympathetic character. See? I said that. You did say that, Micah. You did say that. I was thinking about Ram Dent this whole episode because here's Chet, and we know how Kate feels about Chet's. And uh, yet, we cannot help but feel bad for him as the piss runs down his leg. Yeah, it was scary. There you go. Good on, buddy. Andrew Erbs tweeted in, own of the prologue has to go to Dolorous Ed's horse for his natural camouflage. <laughs> yeah. That's right. He's a white horse. It was snowing. Yeah, what did yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't find him. Everyone thinks everything is lost because of me. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, uh, Margot, those three horn blasts owned a lot of Night's Watch bladders. Mm-hmm. Uh, hashtag horn own, hashtag white walkers, hashtag bladder own. That's a good own. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe Schaefer says own for the prologue goes to Snow for ruining Chet's evil plan after his life was ruined by Snow. Oh, man. Chalk one up for Micah. Yeah, Mike, nice job. Uh, we had a uh, double own, I guess, or no, a single own by two people, Jonathan <laughs> Alexander and Jen Wyman, both said exactly this quote, and it's the same as Zach's quote, is it true that half your wits leaked out on the ground? Uh, so that's that's the own for dollars, Ed, there. Yeah, Martina on uh, Facebook said the same thing. There's like yeah, a lot of people yeah. that like It's a good line. Said. It's a good line. What can we say? Points for me. <laughs> yep. And uh, Alicia Seymour says... Own goes to Chet for warming his pants with his own liquid gold yep. when the White Walkers come. Uh, hashtag, don't make fun of Sam. And I feel <laughs> yeah. that that is a lesson to us all. Uh, it do is. not make fun of Sam. It's a good hashtag, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to see if that trends. I'm going to get it tested. Throughout, throughout this read. <laughs> it is. It's trending on Twitter right now. Good. There you go. Good. But, uh, 
But yeah, so we got uh, just a handful of owns there for the prologue. We would encourage you to continue to send us owns for these chapters and read along with us. Please do. Absolutely. It's exciting. We're excited, and we hope that you are too. Yeah, Eric, how can they do that? Well, judging by some of the comments on um, Facebook that we got, people are excited for this. And I I wanted to bring this up because uh, we actually got asked a really important question, or perhaps it was trying to start a conversation among other people on our wall, which is facebook.com slash Game of Owns on our Facebook wall. And Gordon Walsh, here's, here's what he's, here's what Gordon had to say. Mm-hmm. Gordon Walsh actually sent this in a form of an own and then followed up with a question. His own goes to whoever comes up with all the nicknames for the brothers of the Night's Watch. They have a good eye for wit. What, <laughs> here's his question. What do you think the hosts nicknames would be if ye got carted off to the wall? Ooh. Oh man. So this, this is, is so Game hard. of Owns hosts. If you could pick your name, what would it be? For the Night's Watch, what would it be? Well, here's here's the names. Uh, I actually wrote this down as we were doing the chapter because I knew Gordon's thing was, was gone. But we have Small Paul. We have <laughs> Lark, the Sisterman. We have Chet. We have Blaine, uh, Grubbs, Ethan, <laughs> Dywin, Banner, and Sir Piggy is their name for Sam. Okay. So. It's just some some ideas, but uh, I, I would guys? say let's let's task the listeners with coming up with the names because I, I don't think I don't feel like we've had. <laughs> oh, enough that's time a to cop out! Come on! No, 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 no! It's not because it's how they they perceive all of us, and and that's that's what it should be. They we should yeah. ask them to come up with nicknames, Night's Watch nicknames for the four of us, and and we'll read a lot of them on the next episode, or at least one of them. So at least one, you got a chance. <laughs> we'll introduce ourselves next week as our favorite <laughs> Night's Watch owner. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that yeah. is an amazing idea. Name. Yes, <laughs> but I, I'm there also going to come up with my own private names for all of you. So good. Okay. Yeah. Look please out. share those with me. I'd like we, to know. We need time to do our homework. <laughs> That's what it is. It's okay. the summertime. We're not used to doing all that. Uh, Podcast hard homework. Work. It's a lot of thinking. Well, your homework, listeners, fellow dear listeners. Uh, is to read along with us if you like. Just trying we to butter them up so he gets a good name. Yeah, Storm yeah. swords. <laughs> yes. Please call Darling me Lazzles. Darling, handsome, attractive, intelligent listeners. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dear friend. Very well dressed. <laughs> you have great taste, everyone. Eric, my, you, you would be cracking balls. Cracking balls. Yeah. Crack Let's go on to the <laughs> social media outlets. Uh, of course, we mentioned the Facebook wall, facebook.com slash Game of Owns. People who tweeted at us this week with your owns, we thank do you. ask for them. Uh, thank you for them. Twitter.com slash Game of Owns. And we'll uh, take a peek over on our email inbox and see if any of you sent us some nice long letters lately about starting the books, ending up the season. That email address is contact at gameofowns.com. Yes. Oh, shit. Well, before we go any further, let's just go ahead and read this own from an email. <laughs> oh, <laughs> from all right. Gary Brodziak. He says, my own for the chat slash prologue chapter. The man of the Night's Watch who had to blow the horn three times to signal the others were coming see so send it an email we'll read your own too there you go yeah perfect and you know there is another way you can get in contact with us it hasn't been mentioned from quite some time i don't (laughs) think Uh, but it is itunes and it is the month of july so nothing less than five stars is acceptable we ask that uh, if you do have some time on your hands you quickly gone over to itunes and leave us a rate and review just like kate duchess i don't Kate, is this you? Are it you? It is uh... definitely not me. Okay. Duchess is my Night's Watch name for you. Good. All right. <laughs> Good. Just, just like that. I don't know if he's talking to me or you, Kate. But anyway, <laughs> definitely not uh, me. <laughs> uh, Kate says, "Love the hosts, the banter, and the format." 
Uh, way to go, Game of Owns. You set the bar for other show podcasts. And for that, I bow to you. Uh, I never learned how to curtsy. Too bad. Uh, I love how you engage with your listeners so much and how you read the books off season. Keep up the awesome work. You've inspired me to actually read the third book this summer. Wish Yay! Me luck. That's good news. I'm glad that you're going to be joining us, Kate, and other Kate. You're welcome. On behalf of both of us, right. you're welcome. Kate's Kate's. around the world. Yes. You know, I just <laughs> looked, guys. I looked, and there are 81 additional chapters to this book ahead of Holy us. Holy crap. That is a lot. We also heard from Knuckles Nuclear. Good. Uh, Knuckles, of good, course, good. from Sonic and <laughs> What's Knuckles got to say? Tales. Knuckles the Echidna. Yes. He says, love it. That's it. So thank That's you. That's it. Knuckles. Knuckles. Okay. Yeah, but Thanks. he gave it five Sweet. stars. Sweet. Yes. Love and it. finally, we hear from um, one of our great friends, uh, Sir Barristan Selmy, <laughs> who listens to iTunes, apparently. Uh, and he says, this podcast and its members should be knighted. So oh. coming from him, this Ooh. is hey. quite high Goodness. praise. Thank you, It's another reason uh, to come up with nicknames for us. We need to figure out what our knight name is going to be. <laughs> so uh, he goes on to oh, say, not only is this the best and only Game of Thrones podcast any fan needs, but everyone on the podcast is goddamn fantastic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they make you feel right at home and that you're starting a conversation to a group of your really close friends instead of listening to the ramblings of complete strangers. Whoa. Smart, insightful, witty. What more do you want? Oh, yeah. Honorable, of course. Okay. Hmm. Wow. Two out of two listeners found this review helpful. So. That was really Thank nice. Thank you. That's a really nice um, review. And, uh, you know, especially going into this on season now, as we like to call it, where we're going to be reading the books, uh, it is great for other listeners to be able to kind of peruse iTunes a little bit and see that uh, we're still going strong and that this is something that we really enjoy doing. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you say that you really enjoy listening to it, that could help other people um, find us as well. So we do appreciate those reviews. One star means Rangers returning. <laughs> Two stars means wildlings approaching. Three stars means others. Four stars means dragons. Five stars means fantastic podcasts. So good, good. Nice. Now you know. Like now that. you know what those. Now you that know what the key is. The worst thing I've ever heard. Literally. <laughs> We've mentioned this before uh, on our show. Usually at the end when we do these sorts of announcements, but we will be attending Leaky Con which happens actually at the end of this month, yep. end of July. So we'll have just begun. We'll be a little ways into the book uh, when this happens. But it's a convention down in Orlando, Florida, at the Orange County Convention Center uh, from July 31st to August 3rd. And we will be doing a live Game of Thrones podcast there. Our second ever. What we haven't reported uh, before is the time and day that we will be doing the podcast. And now that information has been revealed to us, and we will share it with you. Micah, when is it? We are podcasting on Saturday, correct? Yes. August, <laughs> correct? Uh, let me check. Yes. Yes. Second, correct? Uh-huh. At 3 p.m.? Eastern Standard Time. Eastern or Daylight Time. time. Eastern, uh, whatever time it is that they're celebrating. Whatever time it is there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Saturday, August the 2nd at 3 p.m. Uh, at the Orange County Convention Center. We will be there. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It's our second ever live show, and uh, we had a lot of fun the first time around in Indianapolis, and we're looking yes. forward to having an even better time yeah. uh, in Orlando 
at the end of the month. Orlando's going to be great. There's going to be beaches. We'll be sacrificing things to the Lord of Light to make sure our show is very successful and everyone has a great time. So please, please come. <laughs> it's going to be a literal blast. Yeah, blast and a half. So to all of you listening right now and hearing music beneath the bottom, the very bottom of my voice, don't despair. We'll be back soon with Jamie in hand. Check, did he check? Tip of the tongue, teeth and lips. Unique, New York. Lips, the tip of the tongue, and the teeth. Hello, 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 mm. hello. I'm at a payphone trying to call home. Test on my chain. Seven. Test been on you. I can almost call him old beer. There you go. <laughs> old beer. <laughs> old beer. <laughs> like, old beer. Doesn't taste that good, but it'll still get you drunk. Old beer. <laughs> old beer. <laughs> Brewed in the north. Brewed in the north. <laughs> old beer. That would be like a really successful hipster beer. Like you go to a bar and you're like, I oh, just give me old beer. Give me the Gior. <laughs> yeah, give me the Gior. Just dude, when Kate on last episode was talking about uh Carl Tanner's lines like I dike it from the sky. <laughs> it was the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> She was like, I'm drinking wine from the sky of fucking mama. <laughs> Whatever, he really did that person. line really well, though. He did. He did. It's so, so good. It's it's such a such an upgrade from Full House to uh, to uh, Game of Thrones. He was in him. Full House? No. Tanner, you know the last oh, yeah. name? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. I was that was a really stretch. Sorry. Like a, usually I can come with sorry. you, buddy, but I can't follow you there. <laughs> Wow. Never oh. mind. Anyway, <laughs> before we before we last, the long lost brother of Danny Tanner. Oh. We'll fix this in post. We'll make it. We'll make it work. Um, how do we set up? Uh... Eric, intro your own segment. <laughs> and now it's time for me to read the tweets in however long it takes me or less. How many do you have? <laughs> I was enthusiastic. Eric. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking? Crisp. Slurp. I'm drinking throat coat tea, which is my, my fucking favorite. Throat coat. <laughs> Zachary, mm. that's enough.